one night, four people were driven by destiny, overtaken by fate, and ended up living the life of Riley, Thomas Riley. Not that happy to see us. Now, with the help of this reluctant mortal, there are these people in town. There are these four very annoying, very demanding people. I'm sorry. I want your body. No, no, that's not funny. These four souls, with no idea how long they've waited for the chance, but well, you know, to stop, are about to get a second chance. We're supposed to have you help finish things for us. It's all part of the grand scheme of things. This summer. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Ether Watches Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today, in honor of Robert Downey Jr. taking a step away from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, <laughs> finally, <laughs> and his new film, Doolittle, remake of the Eddie Murphy films from the 90s, and nothing else. There were no doc- there were no Doolittles before that. <laughs> no, only one. Yeah, I, two. I'm, I... In honor of Robert Downey Jr.'s remake of the classic Dr. Doolittle, we are going to take a look at another <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. fantastical comedy from the early 90s that it's kind of hard, like not many people have heard of, but this is one that I've had on my shelf for a while that we've been, I've been threatening to do for the podcast for a while and figure this is a good enough time to do it. So we're going to talk about the 1993, I'm calling it a classic. Heart and Souls. <laughs> that is a strong word. Robert Downey Jr. That is a very strong word. <laughs> Elizabeth Shue, Charles Grodin, Alfre Woodard, Kira Cedric, and Tom Sizemore with David Paymer. So, this is a film that I was turned on to probably about five years ago. I think my wife introduced me to it because she knew about it from back when her mom used to work at a video rental store. Um, so the premise of this movie is Robert Downey Jr. is born at the same time there's a bus accident and all the patrons of the bus die and their souls are attached to newborn Robert Downey Jr. Which is the most morbid thing ever. It is. This movie is twisted. Um, so I saw this for the first time about five years ago. I was like, this is fantastic like it it's bizarre it's heartbreaking it's funny and there's a musical number so i enjoyed this movie i'm really curious to hear what you guys think i think i can tell by the look on ryan's face how he felt about it (laughs) so i'm going to start with Devin. Devin, what did you think of heart and souls all right so uh the first bit of it was kind of hard to watch, and I kind of want to talk about why I didn't like it later in a little bit more depth, because I don't know why I didn't like it, other than it just felt, and these were my exact words watching it, too stereotypically universal. And I don't understand what I mean by that, but I totally get what I mean by that. But that doesn't <laughs> mean I hated everything about it. There were parts of it I thought were really charming and really fun. Like, I loved every time Robert Downey Jr. was a different person. Like, whenever the ghost would, like, jump into his body, I thought that was hilarious. And I really, really, really liked the musical number, even though Robert Downey Jr., I don't think, was singing. I still watched it, like, four times today. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into that for a bit, because I, I did the same thing today. Um, yes. 
When you say universal, do you mean like universal, like the studio or universal as in the universe? <laughs> I mean like universal, like the studio, like, I, I mean, I've been to like the universal, like studio tour enough and like to like the theme park enough that it's like, it has this really like kind of kitschy kind of like campy. Hey, the whole family can come watch. Look at this kind of casual sexism, but it's funny for the family. Like, that kind of a vibe. But, like, <laughs> for some reason, like, I just can't. Ooh, I don't know. I don't love it. So, 90s Universal. Let's just think about what they had. So, that it was this. Uh-huh. Liar, Liar kind of fits the same vein. Like, super natural yeah. comedy. Is there any others? Because I, I know I feel like I've seen a movie that's exactly this with different people, I feel like. Susie Q it fits the, this bill. That's a Disney thing, though. Or at least Touchstone. Susie, oh, Q, I only know, yeah, I only know Susie Q because it has the Pink Ranger in it. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, it does. Oh, that's the movie that she was in. Yeah. Oh okay. <laughs> like she, she's been in other stuff besides Power Rangers. Oh, I know that. In I just can't Canada. <laughs> I in Canada. <laughs> I just can never remember the title of the movie that she was in. Yeah. You um, know, it reads like a worse kind of kindergarten cop a little bit. <laughs> Okay, I think that's it. I think it's. I think that's the hill I'm gonna die on here. Okay, all right, uh, Ryan, which hill are you gonna die on? Well, there were about three parts that I liked about this. Okay, and there were three parts that I legitimately laughed at, and at the moment I can only think of one okay. of those three. <laughs> um, and it was the very first time his body was possessed, and it was by the blonde, the waitress. After that. I didn't like any of the body possessions. Okay. I didn't like oh. his betrayal of the characters in his body. I felt like it was overdone and overplayed and, and he did not act at all the way the actors were acting as their personas outside of his body. And it didn't make any sense to me. Okay. That was my biggest problem with the movie. <laughs> Quite the hot take. But I did like him walking around in the meeting, pretending to be the blonde waitress and like calling them Mm. out on only having one woman on the board and then he's like flirting slash hitting on like the president and the like the vice president of the company i thought that was hysterical and then it just it took a a dive when the thief took his body and he started humping the table and i was like i'm sorry but no (laughs) sorry (laughs) so for anyone who hasn't seen the film these four spirits are told that they need to, the whole reason they've been attached to him for 30 years is they need to resolve their unfinished business and do something that they wouldn't, they didn't get the chance to do in life. Yeah. Um, so that's like the, Oh, that that's the igniting point of the, the plot for this. Like that's where they mm-hmm. start to come back to him. Cause this whole thing when he's a kid that everyone thinks he's crazy because he's talking to these imaginary friends, his whole childhood sorry the second part this mm-hmm. the second part that i laughed which you remembered that i remembered is when uh the thief is yelling at him in the car and he finally comes to and robbie Downey jr just screams and uh and he crashes his infinity just right off the side of the road and bam into a giant flower pot i thought that was funny, <laughs> <It> was funny. <laughs> so let's talk about robert Downey jr a bit so do you? I I have a question for you guys. Do you feel like he okay. was phoning this 
in because this is 90s Robert Downey Jr. I don't know if you know about Robert Downey Jr.'s life in general, but he went through some stuff in the 90s and the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Do you think Robert Downey Jr. was committed to this movie or just going through the motions? I think he was committed to it. I think sometimes Robert Downey Jr. has the face or just like just a face in general that makes you feel like I'd rather be anywhere else. I think that they use that best in his kind of Iron Man character where they, the or Tony Stark character where he in general, that character wants to be anywhere else than where he is because he doesn't feel comfortable where he is. But I think that in almost any other context sometimes make it makes it feel like that's reading from the actor and not from the actual character. But I think he did a great job. I think he was really into the physicality of a lot of the roles or a lot of the parts. Ryan, what did you think? The way that he portrayed the other spirits in his body, I'm going to say he phoned it in. Okay. Because hmm. I felt like an actual person who was actually committed to this would work with the actors playing the other characters and run through those scenes um, asking how, hey, if if your character was in possession of my body, physically, how would you move? Because I feel like an intelligent actor would do that. But no, um, I'm going to use the example of him trying to get on the stage at the B.B. King concert. I had a feeling um, this is the one you'd bring up. He didn't act anything like her character. I do not see her acting out that way in his body to begin with. The attitude, yes, but not the but not the physical with the hands and like the flipping around and everything. Okay. And I feel like he did that with her and the thief. Um, I really did enjoy him singing. Like I like that whole thing of like him backing out of the body. Yeah. Of the singer, like backing out and them having that little back and forth. And then he steps back in and then starts singing. I loved that. And then with BB King coming up, playing the guitar behind him as a music fan, that was amazing. I love that. Yeah. So. My main argument for what everything you just said is focusing on the boardroom, like the BB King King thing is a little bit of this, but mostly the boardroom, they're trying to make an ass out of him. Oh, yeah. So they're uh, hamming up their characters as well. So when they they possess him, like he's he's not the one hamming it up in his performance. They're the ones doing that, possessing him to make him look like an ass. True. And I realized that after that scene was over and yes. they were in the hallway and they were mm-hmm. and, and he I was think- saying about how that he was going to cover for it and they gave him something to cover for it. The problem is to me in that. For, 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 for what you just said mm-hmm. my my reply to that would be she didn't need to act that weird in his body to try to get on stage when that was a serious moment and I mean, so that's why i think he really wasn't paying that much attention like i feel like he was phoning it in because well, he's got I, the ability to I, phone stuff i have in. the i have the answer um oh, i you. think the um getting backstage it's such a weird circumstance like to to fool this security guard they had to do something they had to be extra so i think yeah even that can be justified in they're hamming it up a bit to get this done plus you also have the awkwardness of his character tr- kind of fighting the possessions a little bit like not really committing completely all the time so anyway here's the answer that i have for you 
I didn't know there was um, a real answer to this. Yes. Um, Robert Downey Jr. has said of his of this film in the Robert Downey Jr. Film Guide website, because evidently that was a thing. Um, Ron Underwood really attracted to me to heart, heart and Souls. It's a character-driven film about sacrifice. The sacrifices people make for one another and the sacrifice you make to find any semblance of bliss and then there's Thomas, whose head is spinning from the realization that the souls are real and he's going to have to bend a little to make room for them. Um, probably one of the best times of my life. Good movie. It's fun. It's a fun movie in which I have to wear one costume. Even my hair stays the same the whole movie. And the only thing that I had to do was act. So it was a piece of cake. So was that phoning yeah. it in or not? I think, I think it's towing the line. Like I feel like, yeah, he took it because it was easy because it's one costume, one hairdo. Yeah, but I think he was committed to it and like had fun with everyone on set, except for maybe Charles Grodin because I've heard some horror stories about Charles Grodin. Okay, so oh no, he didn't call it in. He took it somewhat seriously. Yeah, I'll back up, but. I still think he's lying. It could just be the fact that I didn't really like the acting of from him in the movie. Yeah. I mean, that could be it. I mean, else, I mean, there's also like, I don't know. The, I didn't really connect with the film. I mean, to Ryan's point, he was definitely doing like a stage acting version of each character. I think like he was almost like a caricature of them when, when he was supposed to be possessed by them, but I kind of liked it. And my head cannon was like, like when the the waitress lady first inhabited his body, she was like, "It it feels so real. Like it feels like I was alive again." And it was like them feeling like, "Oh my gosh, I can move again in like a real way. I'm gonna do that." So they were almost like stage acting and overacting everything just because they were so happy to have a body for like half a second. Yeah, I, that was I like my head cannon. I can yeah. see that. I just didn't think that far into it to make my own head cannon for it. I I ended up making my own head cannon because <laughs> I was like I, I was because. It's one of those movies that like you can pick apart and then you can just explain cuz magic or cuz ghosts and then you got to stop picking it apart. Yeah. Um just for context, he made this film like right after Chaplin. Hmm. Oh. Which is just kind of interesting cuz it's kind of kind of doing the same kind of thing in here that Charlie Chaplin did like the physical comedy aspect of it yeah. at least. Yeah. Especially when the uh, when they go to steal the stamps back. Yeah. Like that whole exit from the house, that's mm-hmm. straight out of like modern times. Yeah. Like I swear oh, yeah. I've seen that before. Like I want to, I keep talking about that super cut of Independence Day and Captain Marvel. I could take modern times and that scene in this and put them side by side. Mm-hmm. And deep fake oh, yeah. Charlie Chaplin onto Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> onto Charlie Chaplin. Oh no, we're talking deep fake. It's gotten yes. bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's going to be the downfall of our civilization. <laughs> It is. Can't wait. Um, so which one of the spirits did you guys like the most? I liked the singer, but I found the thief interesting. Why? It, just his turnaround. The fact that he was trying to go straight to begin with, and he was a bad guy. And also the fact that he's been dead for... I don't know, maybe a month. No, no, no. Like five, six years. 
And even though he can't have any type of physical contact at all, he's still trying to look up random women's skirts. <laughs> I just found that funny. I, it's wrong. And it, 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 it just to what Devin said, the whole casual, uh, family approved sexism thing for like the early nineties. And it's just like, it's the grossest thing ever, but still like he was still a, a, a hound as a ghost. And I, and I found that funny. Yeah. You can't get away with that kind of storyline today. Nope, you can't <laughs> no. because it's unless not it's, funny. Unless it's the villain. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's framed as disgusting. <clears throat> Devin, mm-hmm. how about you? I really liked the the uh, singer a lot, uh, mostly because I can really relate to the whole stage fright thing and like anxiety getting the best of you, even though this is something you've wanted to do for quite some time. Uh, I've had quite a few instances of that in the past couple of years. And uh, it, that like that particular storyline just really resonated with me. And plus, without him, I wouldn't have gotten my favorite scene in the movie. So, hey. Good and job, your, favorite, guy. your favorite scene was the BB King scene? No, my favorite oh. scene was the the Walk Like a Man scene, the Frankie Valley one. Okay. Let's talk about that. Well, I want to hear your favorites. Don't oh, my favorite. Um, I really like the whole storyline with um, Alfre Woodard and her kids. Like, yeah, just trying to find them because I like it's been so long since I've seen this movie. I forgot that she finds her son. Yeah. Cause like, and I it was the cop. They, yeah, I forgot where they went with this. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And then it's just like, I don't know why, but this movie got to me. Like, I was tearing up <laughs> watching this last night. I don't know if I'm just Aww. overtired or what, but like there were, no, there I were some that. moments in here. Like, And I think the whole knowing that they all die thing, like seeing them get on the bus, like, oh, no, like just the dread of it is like, no, don't like just get off the bus. Like, I think that was part of it, but. Yeah, like I was really like when the uh, thief gives back the yeah the stamps like that like it's a nice it's a sweet movie. Oh yeah, it is. Oh, forget about the looking up trying to look up skirts thing. No, I mean but. I mean just like I said, taking the film for the era that it was made in that was supposed to be like oh he's a perv isn't that funny like that's all that's supposed to be. So if you take that for the era that the movie was made in. And you look at how that character fixes the wrong that he made. It it's it is sweet. It's a sweet moment because he comes out. The guy's married. They're living in kind of a crappy apartment building, and he's like, "Oh wow, here's my my stamps. I got them back, and now they can go buy a house." You know, like it's it's a really good moment. Like they definitely did a lot of thinking in this movie for the storyline, and I do appreciate yeah. that. It just a lot of the humor just kind of fell flat for me. That that's all. So. Although, like, there were parts that like now that I'm thinking back on it, like, I don't hate it as much as I think I think I did. But there were parts <laughs> I did genuinely like. So, yeah, Ryan, I wonder if the part, the third part that made you laugh that you are missing and that you forget is the part, one of the parts that I actually laughed about quite a lot. And that was whenever he's he um, it's like right at the end. And he's in his car and he goes to drive away from the bus and they like they set it up like it's a car chase and the bus driver goes, He's driving away from me? Really? <laughs> it was yeah, it was and that I, part. <laughs> I thought that, that was part. actually really funny because I was like, Yeah, it's a ghost bus. He can't outrun that. <laughs> yeah, okay. those were the three parts then. We just we just yeah. named them. Those were the three legitimate parts that I laughed at. I can't think I did like that. I can't think of a movie featuring David Paymer that I don't like. 
David Pamer. He's the bus driver. Him. He's the oh, yes. He's he's a funny guy. He's a funny guy, and I thought this setup for being what year it was, having this setup for how the bus accident happened, was genius. I felt because he looks over and he sees something that in the fifties a gentleman wouldn't buy any type of stuff to see that type of interactions at home so him seeing something that he saw out the bus window i could see somebody being distracted by that in the 50s i really can yeah 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 it's definitely you look like you were looking him up do you know who he is i was looking him up i don't know anything else he's in oceans 13 uh he's in oceans 13 yeah he's the he's the guy who goes in to award the the diamond necklace that just oh. kind of gets screwed over by Danny Ocean and the gang. Oh, that is him. Huh. Because his, his top four are like State in Maine, Get Shorty, American President, and Payback, and I don't know those. I've heard good things about State in Maine. I think I own it. So I mean, that... it might be a good watch. I would totally watch more things, though, because he was almost my favorite ghost. Because, I mean, I like the way that they kind of introduce him as, like, the ghost bus driver, where he, like, come, like, he, like, opened the bus door and, like, made this big deal of, like, trying to pretend to be, like, spooky. And I was like, yeah, that's the kind of vibe I'm after. Like, give me that kind of ghost that's, like, amming it up. Okay, so let's talk about Devin's favorite scene. Yes. Walk like a man. Good. Because I did love this scene. Did you have? Did I show you that scene going into this or not? No, you didn't. I accidentally saw okay. the scene going into it. Okay. So I, I, know I, sh- I know I showed Ryan this back when we started the podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like I said, this has been on the list for a while. But I've only, I only got the DVD in the last year or so. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I ended up accidentally ruining this scene for me because... I thought I had an easy way to watch this, and it turns out I didn't. But then I found an easy, illegal way to watch this, but it took some fishing. And one of the tries I had was literally just a very high-quality take of this scene. And it made me go, oh, are we watching a musical? And we weren't, obviously. But it gave me like such a different impression of this movie before I came into it. Okay. Yeah, yeah I showed, in context was cool. I showed Ryan that scene years ago. Yeah. So, did you enjoy that scene at all? Or I mean, not? I did because it actually had context to it, so I understood it. I mean, I completely understand why it happened and it fit. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like it was like, oh, that was the context of it. It was, oh, okay, good. <laughs> like, I get it now. Because um, I, de- I definitely found the teacher walking in on him in the bathroom as a little kid shaking his butt singing the song i found that humorous so then the fact that like that's how they also got back through to him was singing that song so i found that interesting too so let's talk about the little kid for a second did you guys recognize him from anything else don't do this to me because i know oh no (laughs) no i wasn't even looking um he's in a movie that i watch every christmas time and he's the son in the santa claus is he really? Yes. He's the son in Santa Claus? Yes. He plays Charlie uh, in the Santa Claus. When was Santa Claus made? The Santa Claus, 1995. Two years after this. 
Oh. Oh, yeah, that's right, because he's oh. driving a Ford. The, the, okay, so <laughs> that is such an odd thing to say. Yes, I know, I know. Okay, so here's... Explain. Okay, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, lower budget to medium budget, like, drama films or, like, comedies in a way, they didn't really have a lot of money. So they spent their money on actors and sets and not really on anything like props and cars and like things like that so the reason why i said oh he drives a ford is because in santa claus uh uh tim tim allen tim allen thank you i almost said tim taylor yeah i (laughs) i I went i went straight to tim curry i don't know why tim allen's character uh, in, in, like the way that his like persona is for like the company he works for, I think BMW, Mercedes, Lexus, maybe mm-hmm. like a high end foreign car, but he's driving a like a Ford Taurus. Like he's driving like Ford's full size sedan. He's not driving like a car that fits the type of work that he does. And the same thing in this film. I mean, Robin Dobbie Jr., like, he's driving an Infinity, and and Infinities are Nissan's high-end run of vehicles. But it really threw me off as a car, as, 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 kind, of, as kind of like a quasi-car person. Like, he should be driving a Lexus or a Mercedes or a BMW, not, not an Infinity. <laughs> like, maybe an Audi, but not an Infinity. I know that you guys don't really have a thing on this, but still, like, that's just... No, I mean, it's an an interesting take that I've never thought about before. I've never thought about, like, what car do they drive versus what's going on. I think the only time I've ever really thought about it is, like, when sometimes Marvel movies turn into car commercials halfway through. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and that does happen. It's just, it's one of those things to me, like, part of building a character is building like the things that that character uses. So like if you have a person who's like a businessman, makes a lot of money, is a jerk and like steps on people to get to where they are, which in hearts and souls, his character does because he does like, uh, he, he does the bankruptcy thing. I would expect yeah. him to drive a BMW or a Mercedes as like a rich probably, businessman yeah. in the city, especially being sing- single, you would, he would, he would want to have that like showy flashy car to go along with his personality, not an affinity that a black infinity, especially the model that they had. Cause because that thing just blends into a traffic jam. Like that's not, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. you. <laughs> no, Sorry. No, I do. I support you hundred <laughs> uh, percent. Real quick. You mentioned budgets. I just wanted to touch on yeah. the budget for this. So it's estimated mm-hmm. this had a budget of $25 million. It made four million opening weekend and had a worldwide gross of sixteen million. So it was like oh. nine million in the red. Yeah. Oh. So I mean that's to be a honest shame. to be honest, when I first started watching it and it followed throughout the entire thing, except for the effects, which for the year this was made, they weren't that bad. Um mm-hmm. it really felt made for TV. Well, in some markets, it didn't get a theatrical release. Like in the UK, it went straight to video. I'm not surprised. Wow. So, which is weird considering Robert Downey Jr. just just came off a Chaplin. So. Okay, so that was one of the things I did want to ask about. Where is Robert Downey Jr. in his career at this point? Because the trailer I saw for it, because another one of my bad links just took me to a trailer, 
was like, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. stars in. And like, he was like the main point of the trailer the whole time, which he should have been. But like, was he as big as he is now for Tony Stark? Is he, he like, how, how is he in the 90s? He was nominated the year before this. So in 1992, he was nominated for Chaplin for Best Actor. Okay. So this came out in August. So that February, March, he was in the running for an Oscar for Best Actor. So okay. he, he, he had been in a few, a few other things before this. Um, mm-hmm. Because he was part of, like, the Brat Pack, right? Oh, was he? Kind of. Like, he was on SNL in the 80s for, like, one season. What? Yeah. I did not know that. Okay, before this... Was he in anything notable? Um. Okay, I'm going to go through the, the movies he had before this. So he had Chaplin, Soap mm-hmm. Dish, Too Much Sun, Air America with Mel Gibson, Oh. Chances are, which kind of fits the same genre as this. Uh, I've only seen this movie once, but it's really bizarre. Like, if you think this concept's out there, this one's even weirder. So, um, Ryan O'Neill dies. Okay. Goes to heaven. Start. He's like, you know what? I don't want to be dead. Goes back down to Earth and possesses a baby. Baby grows up. Falls in love with Ryan O'Neill and Sybil Shepard's daughter. And then oh. Robert Downey Jr. is like in love with the daughter and the mother because he remembers his previous life. It's weird. That's I weird. remember that movie. I saw a part Did of it. Did you see it too? I saw a part of it because it was on network television. Yeah. Wow. It's one of those ones that I feel like my mom watched on TBS one Saturday afternoon and I was just in the room for it. Uh Sounds like the right context to watch that. Let me in. see. Was that also Universal? What was that Greek tragedy? No, that was TriStar. What, what was the Greek tragedy about the guy like Oedipus Rex? Oedipus. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Oedipus all the way. Other movies that you he was in Less Than Zero, uh, Back to you know School, that one. Weird Science. Oh, Weird Science is a good one. I've never seen it. But yeah, so he was. I, I, get, I mean, I think this is before he got really into drugs. Yeah, I was gonna say this was definitely before his uh, orange jumpsuit uh, breaking into houses naked. Fo- his orange jumpsuit photo op days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, all I see here is flashback. Robert Downey Jr. bombs his SNL cast member. Didn't know that. Oh yeah. He was Suitcase um, Boy. I didn't even know he had a sketch character. Um, as in he, uh, <laughs> as in he gassed him. What? As in he gassed him. What, what do you mean? He farted on him. He said he bombed him. Oh man! It took me. I was like trying to connect suitcases. I was like, no. I was trying to throw an oh. Allen joke in there, and I failed apparently. Yeah. No, I liked it. I just, <laughs> I'm just. My mind was like somewhere else. <laughs> All right, so we talked about the BB King cameo. There's another yep. surprise cameo in here at the beginning of the movie, which I didn't I didn't pick up on until I read it in the trivia. So I picked when, up on it. When uh, did you? Yeah, I think so. It's the same person. Uh, Kira Sedgwick is a waitress at a comedy club. Yes, and the comedian on stage is is supposed to be Bob Newhart. Okay. Yep. Yeah. 
doing his like phone yeah. routine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Bob Newhart. Obviously. It's Bob Newhart's son oh, in his cool. only acting role ever. Yeah, I wouldn't have caught that in a million years. Wow. Nope, not who I caught. That's awesome. Wait, what what did you catch? Wasn't Red Foreman from that seventies show in this? Oh yes, he was. That's who I thought you were talking about. I like your fact better. Who is Red Foreman? He was the uh the dad, the dad. in that seventies show. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I know he, that, but who was he in this? He was the guy at the, who, the guy whose company's going bankrupt. Robert Engineer with all like, the airplanes. Ah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. It, it was him. I totally forgot about that. I recognized him when we were watching. I was watching the movie. Man, imagine being seeing this movie in theaters in 1993. If you were like one of the five people that did, and uh, <laughs> you only you don't know him from that seventy show. You only know him as the guy who who created RoboCop, like the guy who shot. Murphy. It works. Yeah. Like, like yeah. This, you could think this is going to be a whole different movie. If you just see him and be like, yeah. Oh God, this is going to, this is going to turn out badly for Robert Downey Jr. Be a bad then, the, movie. then the ghosts are just possessing RoboCop. Exactly. Devin, <laughs> Devin stop yeah. smiling and stop smiling and nodding your head. You haven't seen that movie yet. Yeah, but I get what it's about, Ryan. It's well, about yeah, a robot well, cop. Never seen I'm, just, RoboCop? I'm just trying to call you out on no. RoboCop again. Oh, man. No, I've we, never seen RoboCop. Can that be the next sci-fi one you make us watch? I'd love it to be the next sci-fi one we watch. If you don't okay. have it, I'll buy it for a no, dollar. No, 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 no. I have it. I have it. I have it. I have it. What I'm saying I is making, that... I was making a joke. I, still. We'll do RoboCop, <laughs> but I, but I want to make sure that we get to Close Encounters of the Third yes. Time right after that one. Yes. So that, that'll be the happen. next two oh, movies yeah. we'll have you guys do. RoboCop, then Close Encounters. Sounds awesome. I'm not. I'm not even going to touch that. Um, <laughs> oh no! Okay. Oh dear! Oh, I forgot. I forgot. Devin can see that now. Yeah, I can see that now. <laughs> okay. Um, you shouldn't have left your uh, aviator. Uh, quit playing with my joystick. <laughs> joystick next to me. Uh, uh, guys, I can see the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm putting it back. It's back. okay. Just looking over the trivia. Ooh, I forgot something I want to bring yes. up, and it's a car thing. Okay, I actually knew what a Rambler was. So when the dad was like, "Oh, it's a Rambler," I was like, "Oh, I know what that is. That was made by AMC," because I haven't heard anybody talk about a Rambler in like ten years. Oh, okay. Ryan, AMC is a channel. American Motor Corporation. I don't want to hear it. It's not a channel. It's a movie theater chain that is lackluster in my area. Oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, but as soon as he said Rambler, and I knew that it was being shot in the 50s because I completely missed what year it was supposed to be. As soon as mm-hmm. he said Rambler, I was like, oh, it's got to be 58 or 59. That's when this is, because those were the first two years the Rambler was being made. So I... <laughs> I, I almost want that. to learn cars more because of stuff like this, though. <laughs> Just because, like, you can place it that easily because of knowing a car. That's kind of cool. I mean, they mentioned that it was a Rambler like six or seven times in the first part of the film. It's like the dad was so impressed that he owned a Rambler, which was like being impressed about owning a Civic. Like, it, it, it's that common of a car for back then. Every time someone I hear the word like Rambler, I always just hear some like it's the internal like Google translation service in my mind just goes <laughs> old car. <laughs> and that's it. Okay. Um, 
I, I got nothing when you t- start talking about cars. Unless know, it's the Batmobile that's... or a DeLorean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one more note that I had from watching this. Did you guys take note of the music that was playing during his date with Elizabeth Shue? Oh, no. No, but that's a really weird name for a line of shoes. <laughs> just, just stop. Just, just stop. Dude, he's take, you're, no, you're taking those swings today, and I love it. <laughs> swings and misses. Uh, I'm, they're hitting for me. <laughs> So the music is like a cool jazz version of Heart and Soul. Oh, okay. That's cool. Oh, uh, that cool. makes sense. Yeah. 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 I like Which that. is this movie's attempt at one of those jokes you're trying. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, well, it did a lot worse than I just did. So. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ryan's just happy because he's not $9 million in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> Got that right. <laughs> I don't really have much else for this one. Oh, I'm I have, think of like I do have one. More, I do have one more piece of trivia for you guys, but Devin, go ahead and finish your thought. No, I'm, just, I'm trying to think of like. So, I, I mean, it's not even trivia. I was just trying to think of like what I don't like about it. Like, what part of it immediately turned me off of it? Because okay. I, I think like almost from the gate, I was like, "Nope, not this one. This one's not my movie." And I, I was asked why. Like, someone went, well, why don't you like it? And I don't have a great answer for that, I think. I mean, I maybe it's the, like, made-for-TV style of it that, like, I didn't get. But I'm hoping Ryan can help solidify my answer. Yeah, I... Okay, so there are times I don't like a movie. And it, and I can't pinpoint, like, one reason. Now, granted, like I said before, the whole, like, body possession movement thing was kind of an issue for mm-hmm. me. But there are movies I don't like, and there's not like a scene or there's not a character that I can legitimately point to. It's just a million little things. It's like having a boss at work that isn't just that doesn't really do anything bad. It's just little things that they do stacked on top of each other that make it that you can't stand working for them. So it's it's not that they make bad decisions. It's just the tiny little things that they do throughout the day that just annoy you. And sure. To me, that's kind of what happened in this movie because there were little aspects that kept like that kept that I kept picking out uh, throughout the film, like how uh-huh. it had like a made-for-TV feel for it, and then you had the issue that I had with the whole car thing with the car that he was driving or the car that they picked for his character, and then and then it was the body movement thing, and then it was some of the humor that they tried to input with like him talking to himself like i felt like they should have done a lot more reaction shots of people he was walking by when he was talking to himself because because i know that the focus is on the conversation and and they want you to hear what they're going back and forth about because it's important but i really wanted to see more people looking at him sideways going what is he talking about and why is he talking to himself so there was that it was just a bunch of little stuff that stacked on top of each other for me for this film. It's not bad. I'm not going to say it's a badly made film. I just didn't enjoy it. I think part of the reason that they don't focus on people reacting to him talking is because it's just a distraction. Unless you're going to end the, like start the third act with him in a mental asylum. Like they tease at the beginning when he's a kid, then there's no reason to do that. Like the little bit that you get here and there, is enough for me. There's there's one exception to that. I would love to see just one shot of him dancing by himself during the dance number. 
See, yeah, that's that would have been fun. That's that's what I'm like, talking not, about. Not anyone else seeing it, just us as the audience. Kind of like we see yeah. the kid in the bathroom by himself. Just yeah. like just as an homage to that. Like just yeah. one shot of that. But at the same time, I don't really need that because we're focusing on these guys. It's not about everyone's reaction. It's not about the world around him reacting to what he's doing. It's about him reacting to his situation, what he has to do. Well, Cause it's about his yeah. growth. Yeah. And, and I think if you do the people reacting to him and going down like the, the, Oh, that guy's crazy route. It distracts from his growth. I understand that. And that's why I said, I get with how they made the film mm-hmm. that you're supposed to know what they're saying because it's important. And that's why yeah. they didn't. But at the same time, maybe one or two quick shots of maybe him walking into the lobby and then showing somebody that like is walking out that has no purpose to his life. Just kind of like does a double take like in the close background, not even the background or like mid ground. I'm talking about like practically walking through one of the ghosts and just kind of like looks back curious. Like, is he talking to himself? Maybe one or two scenes of that I think would have, cemented that whole aspect a little bit for me um but Devin, does that kind of sound right that is it was just a bunch of little stuff just kind of like compacted each other that you can't really pinpoint because you sound like you're picking the thing apart if you just pick one of the like 10 things so you're absolutely right and i think i realized some of my little things are just Devin things <laughs> like that aren't even like that aren't even like oh the kind of car he's driving would have been wrong because it's a real point and that's a, like a grown-up point mine is like would the angels have watched him through puberty, and would that have been gross for them? <laughs> they and like, acknowledge honestly, that, though. They the, acknowledge what? that they were there for that whole whole time, and they just kind of turned away. Yeah, the yeah. But crossed like, my mind when he, they were uh, talking about the other women that he dated, and they made oh, the comment, yeah. like, "Oh yeah, the one with the legs." I'm like, "Oh, they totally watched him having sex." Like, <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, uh, and and I think that's just like. It, it plays into some weird, like, insane, like, fear that I have that that same kind of thing is, like, coming, like, happening to me. And, like, at one point, like, I'll turn around and, like, a Motown singer I imagined as a child is like, Devin, I've been following you your whole life. We should talk. <laughs> Do I know something that kind of follows that line that's, like, my biggest fear? Yes. Like, whole time. My biggest fear is that in somehow, in some way, and I picked this up from, like, a science fiction, like, short like book that I read. Yeah. Um, is that when you die in this book that to fully understand the, the human experience, a scientist sits with your family and watches your memories, your entire life from your eyes. So they hear everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done, like every lie you've ever told, like that gets projected in front of your whole family. No, and thanks. then a scientist no, sits thanks. there and like, does the whole thing yep so nope, to me that, that kind of coincides with having four people following you that you have no idea that they're there like to me it's yeah. the same thing like it's scary as hell <laughs> yeah maybe this is a horror movie that's why maybe that's why i was so like freaked out by it i was like how, man how ghosts you, and like what genre would you classify this movie in uh, romantic comedy i really think, think there so? should have been more to do with the relationship that's another issue i had I like what they did with it at the end, though. I like that it was it was the waitress's goal. I thought that was really I clever. I thought that was cool, too. I just wish there would have been more interaction, like, 
I feel like by the cover of the DVD case that Alan gave me and mm-hmm. with like how much essence they put on this relationship they're supposed to have, I felt like I was waiting for her to get more involved in the storyline than what she did. To be fair, like that poster is not the poster for this movie that like all the ones on IMDb do not feature her at all. I think that's just the DVD cover. Yeah, because that because 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 I was really thinking that like, does she get thrown in this? Does she get sucked in? Does he tell her what's going on and she helps him? Like, that's what I was thinking. And that's what I was waiting for, because I thought because I think that would have been cool. And that would have brought up some very interesting scenarios if she decides to believe him and help him, but she can't see the ghosts. So she has to deal with him with all of these spirits going in and out of his body for her to help him. Like, I thought that was that was going to happen. And then and then, of course, when it didn't, I felt like I was missing half a movie. I mean, the tagline on this cover is a comedy about two hearts, four souls and second chances. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that I think it would fit in a romantic comedy. Yeah. 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 Like a fantastic. I saw another one like a fantasy romantic comedy. Yeah. Right. You can check this one off the list now. So this is romantic comedies. This is the yin and yang opposite to 13 ghosts. Is this what 13 Ghosts is about? There's just no, more it's of not, them? but it's just the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So I was thinking about this during the movie, actually, and I wonder what you guys' take was on it. Are the ghosts like a net win for Robert Downey Jr.? Or like, do they almost do nothing but hurt him for a bit? Because like, they literally gave him abandonment issues as a child that were pervasive throughout his entire life. And then basically they kind of boss him around and one of them helps him a little bit. I don't think they help him as like I think they do help him like they they do care for him that's yeah. obvious mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. they realize the impact they have on him sure when they leave but it's not their fault because they're never supposed to be there for as long as they are yeah like the whole system is messed up that's conveniently cool. for the movie it's because the angel never came down and told them what they were supposed to do. So like he shows up and he's like, did the angel, didn't the angel tell you what you're supposed to do? Like what angel? What angel? Like, <laughs> yeah. I want to watch the prequel to this where you just follow what the angel was doing that day. And it was anything else, but this, it's just Christopher Lloyd angels in the outfield. <gasps> oh man. That's what I want now. That makes me happy. That's really cool. That makes me happy. Yeah. Good job, Alan. Yeah. Little Big League was better, though. I don't know that one. Little Big League. I don't know that one. Chew. We'll do that. (laughs) We'll do that this coming baseball season. Okay. That'll be the baseball movie I'll have you guys watch. Isn't it always baseball season? Hush. But yes. (laughs) (laughs) But yes. Right now we are... Let's see. Football season. My team... Pitchers and catchers report in 27 days, 20 hours, thir- four, uh, and 43 minutes. How so, do you know it that precisely? I've got a countdown clock on my uh, cell phone uh, home screen. I'm not even a little mad about that. That's impressive. You know, I don't think I've heard anyone say cell phone in a long time. It's always just like my phone. I cell heard, phone. It's I a cell heard phone. cell phone in a while. It's a cell phone. It says it's more not about a phone. I know. Well, Whatever. <laughs> just call it mobile, like the British. My mobile. <laughs> My mobile. Okay. Sounds so much more chic. 
So I'm going to test the uh, Marvel fanboys that we are. Oh, good. Got I got to. Oh, I forgot oh. to bring something over for you. Then. Okay. I forgot about that. Let's focus. <laughs> so one of somebody in this film is also in the MCU with Robert Downey Jr. Do you guys know who it is? Is it the thief? Oh, man. No. Then I don't know. Is it the is it the lady? The waitress lady? No. Oh, then no. Because the waitress lady looks familiar to me. But anyway. Um it's Alfrey Woodard, the other the mother. Oh really? Yes. Yeah, Who is she? In, oh, in, she is in it. She's in Captain America Civil War. Yeah, she is. That's right. After he does the uh the demo where it's young Robert Downey Jr., ironically. Yeah. Uh, she's the one backstage who gives him the picture of her son who died in Sokovia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there she is. Wow. I did not know. Well, I, okay. So prior to the MCU, the game was, was it seven or six degrees? Six of degrees of Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Pa- Kevin Bacon. Now it's going yeah. to be six degrees of the MCU. Mm-hmm. There have been so many MCU movies, you can link anybody in Hollywood within six connections to anybody else in Hollywood that's worked on the MCU. And I just, guarantee it. And it just got a lot easier to, to connect the uh, MCU and the DCEU because Sony. Yeah. <sighs> oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that sounds so sad. I, uh, my favorite comment of that from that Morbius trailer that dropped this week is, well... The Joker met Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you have half of that, right? Indeed. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Aww. That's about all I've got for Heart and Souls. One last thing. Okay. How big of Frankie Valley fans are you? What? I've never seen Jersey Boys. Okay. The show or the movie. Okay. But I've seen Mrs. Doubtfire a lot. Okay, I I, th- I think I'm like a seven out of ten. Like I like will listen to them at work if I'm in that kind of a mood, and it's probably about once a month. I'll put on something like Frankie Valley and then like other related artists. Okay, so I consider myself a light fan. Uh huh. So I'm not sure how that ranks on your scale, Devin. But I have oh I'm like Frank- a Lacroix fan. Okay, I have uh, the very best of Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons Greatest Hits on my phone. Um, oh. And there are days when I will blast Frankie Valley out of my car. Like I'm talking Wait, in the middle I... of the summer, windows down. My car has that nine speaker stereo system in it. And I will blast Sherry and Big Girls Don't Cry and Ronnie and Ragdoll. Like I will just blast those songs out of the car. I think we're on the same level. That's exactly me too. And I'll have a little Nirvana and Pearl Jam mixed in there, too, to really throw people off. <laughs> yeah, that would throw me off. I would throw in, like, the Penguins and stuff like that. Ragdoll, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Save It For Me, <laughs> and then Into Black, and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Can't be too happy. I, I have Frankie in the Valley on my like my phone and my iPod, but yeah. it's I don't think I have, like, all of their hits. I have, like, the big ones. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's kind of how mine is. Like, I only have was it? It's twenty songs. Like, it, it's it's everything from Greece to Sherry, is what I have. So, like, there's twenty songs oh, wow. in there. And Greece, Devin, Greece, seen, I love. Have you seen Greece? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, they did it in high school. I forgot about that. that have you guys seen Greece too? No. Yes. At it. 
No. Add no. it. No, 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 no. We are not doing Greece 2. We have to People do it for will... our country, guys. You Screw that. No. <laughs> There are there there are so many more movies we could do for our country, and Greece Two is not one. I, of them. I would much rather do Human Centipede Three than Greece <gasps> Two. I am not watching Promise? that for my country either. No. <laughs> oh darn it! Uh, it's such a bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> bad. You know what? I'd rather do Greece Two. If it was between those two movies, we'd do Greece Two, not send not human bug thing. Bug thing. Uh, your disdain oh, amuses boy. me. Keep it up. Okay, so before we wrap this up, uh, the reason we're doing this is because Doolittle with Robert Downey Jr. comes out this week. Yep. Uh, Devin, I know you go to the movies a lot. I'm sure you've seen the trailer for this multiple times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what do you think? What are you thinking going into it? You know what? I, I have to tamper my expectations. It looks very good. Um, just from the trailers, Ramon and I have talked about it, and we do really want to go see it. But I also know that like January is where movies go to die, so I'm a little bit worried that it's going to be like not a great movie. But I also just want to see it. I like for some reason I like the gorilla in it a lot. Okay. Yeah, R- Ryan, have you seen anything on this movie or? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> have you? I've seen like like we were watching. Stumptown before we recorded tonight so we had like commercials uh-huh. for it on hulu i was like yeah okay i don't know why they're doing this but i guess why not it looks like it could be one of the best iterations of it i just the what, only what confu- decision that go ahead uh, th- what confuses me is it looks like other people can hear the animals talk that's the part that confuses me where like it sounds like like i hear the animals talk and i don't know if i ever want to but then I don't know how I'd feel about a movie where it's just like, what's that gorilla? You're right. Oh, ferret, you had something to say? That's hilarious. I mean, you could hear the animals talk in the Eddie Murphy version. Oh, I forgot about that because the rats talk. That's a big part of the Eddie Murphy Dr. Doolittle. How do you forget that oh, the animals man. talk? It has been so long since I've seen okay. that movie. Okay. okay. With the suicidal tiger. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> I forgot about that one. He talks him off the edge with Eye of the Tiger. He is such... <gasps> that tiger is such a... Uh, if they were to remake the Eddie Murphy one like back in like 2012, 2013, that tiger would have been such a... Uh, would have been such... Would have been such a, a Hawthorne Heights fan. It wouldn't have even been funny. <laughs> Solid <laughs> reference. I don't care. Yeah, I'll go see that one. You don't get it? Definitely. Hawthorne Heights... My love is in Ohio. Ohio's for lovers. It's been a week. You're into movie scores, so I understand. It's okay. <laughs> I, I get it. Okay. Well, I think that does it for this episode, because I really got nothing else. That's fine. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. good. I just wanted to talk about Freddie, uh, said Freddie Mercury, Frankie Valley for a second. Uh Freddie I mean, it was Mercury, one of the better scenes. Uh, Rami Malek is in the new Doolittle. Do he is? Yes. Is he? Okay. I'll probably check it out when it hits one of the streaming sites. Okay. Who is he in that? Uh, one of the animals. Oh, that's cool. No, it isn't Tom Holland one of them, too? I I don't know. Oh, probably. Might be. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So uh, before I go on a tangent that I don't want to get into, uh, for you have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And we'll see you next week. I'm going to walk like a man. Yeah, I'm standing here.